Emma, and I'll be leading our service of worship. A big welcome, whether you're here in person or watching online, and a special welcome if you're joining us for the first time. We are delighted that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. During this service, the 10 o'clock service, there will be no children's ministry, but the Whitley Hall is available for parents with young children to step out and use this room if they need to do so. The service will be live streamed on the TV in there. This morning's service is one of new beginnings as Graham Kennedy preaches for the first time as our minister here at Kirkpatrick. Over the next few weeks, please give him and his family a really warm welcome and introduce yourselves to them if you haven't already done so. We'll get to know the Kennedy family later on in the service during our Connecting Church slot. Today we'll be starting a new series in John's Gospel entitled When God Moves In. God has been faithful to us as a congregation during the last year of change. But he is a God that doesn't change. He is constant and faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our call to worship is from Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What a comfort it is for God's people to know that we worship the one who is everlasting, who never faints, never grows weary. Let's pray. God, you do not come and go. You are everlasting. You created all we can see or imagine. Your understanding is unsearchable. You know everything inside and out. You do not get tired. You strengthen those who seek you. Lord, you are so good, and we cannot fathom that that goodness is directed towards us. We acknowledge this morning that we stumble and fall. We are weak and even our best efforts fall short. But those who wait upon the Lord get fresh fresh strength. Through your grace, you save us and raise us up. Thank you for reminding us here in Isaiah that you are the everlasting God, that you do not grow weary, that you renew our strength. In spite of our feelings, we can call you Father, because you gave your only son to pay the price for that sin. Amidst our chaos and our busy lives, we ask that you would renew our strength day in and day out. Father God, be present with us by your spirit as we worship. Amen. We're going to stand now and sing our first song, Strength Will Rise As We Wait Upon the Lord. Okay, for our connecting church slot this morning, I'm going to invite the Kennedys up 
Um, you might notice that there's one missing. Ewan can't be with us this morning, but we will hear for him, from him in a little video during this slot as well. So thank you so much for joining us up here on your first morning. Um, it's great to, to be able to do this. Um, to start with here at Kirkpatrick, we occasionally ask folk what they'll be doing this time tomorrow. So Paula, I'm going to start with you. Firstly, could you just tell us a wee bit about yourself and also what you'll be doing this time tomorrow? Thank you. Okay. Um, well, hello, I'm Paula. As you know, um, Graham and I will be married um, 25 years this July. Um, and um, I'm going to look at my notes here, sorry. Um, I'm also a PK, um, our pastor's kid. Um, my dad was a minister in Crossgar for over 20 years, so people would say I knew what I was letting myself in for um, when I married Graham. Um, I'm also an identical twin, so if some of you might have noticed my sister here on Friday night, but if you're down in Bangor and you see someone who looks like me and you say, hello, Paula, and uh, they turn around and say, no, I'm not Paula, well, that's because it's my sister, Ruth. So she's used to these encounters, so do say hello and introduce yourself to her, and she'll be happy to chat to you as well. Ruth's <laughs> also a teacher, so Paula gets approached by various yes. students from Blasting yeah. College. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I work part-time as a GP um, and I recently took the decision to um, move from salaried work back to locum work and I'm starting um, a maternity cover um, at the beginning of February so um, yeah we can think about that. Um, I also teach medical students first and second year students at Queen's um, clinical skills so um, this time tomorrow, well, I'm on leave this week, so tomorrow I should probably be packing more boxes. <laughs> um, but this time next week, next Monday, I'll be um, getting organized and thinking about going up to the city hospital to teach um, first-year medical students in the afternoon. And then Wednesday next week, um, I'll be starting the new post, um, the maternity cover. So, yeah, appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you so yeah. much, Paula. Um, yes, um, Andrew, this question is directed towards you. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? And you might want to include what school and your group you're in. Yep, so um, I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm 16 and I'm in Lower Sixth at Bangor Grammar School. And I'm currently studying maths, physics, history and politics. Very good. You've got your hands full then with all those subjects. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Do you play any sport, Andrew? Yeah, so I play I play rugby uh, for school, um, and then I'll just play other sports uh, casually with my friends. We're really up for any sports, really football. I played a bit of cricket. We went and played golf. Just loads of different things. So everything then. Mm -hmm. Just you'll be able to do anything. And um, thank you so much, Andrew. That's great. Um, Graham, I have a wee question for you. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us? how you came to this point in your ministry. Okay, that'll, that'll be the short version, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I suppose if I think back, uh, and we mentioned this back in November maybe a wee bit, but I studied uh, law at Dundee University. Well, I'll go back a wee bit before that. I grew up in East Belfast, Mount Pottinger Presbyterian is my home congregation. Um, went to university to study law, was 
quickly turned off that with apologies to any lawyers in the building uh, or watching online. Um, but uh, realized that God was calling me in a different direction uh, and went through that, that whole process at Union College uh, and uh, into an assistantship in uh, Ballygowan Presbyterian uh, in County Down and then uh, to associate ministry in First Bangor. Uh, and then uh, for the last 15 years to, to Ballygrenny. The process of, uh, of that, there's so much to go into over the, over the years, Emma, but um, I think the recognition as well of the process of getting to this point is that um, in June we were uh, approached by, by Robert Beggs, uh, who used to be your convener, um, and uh, Robert approached us, and, and, and we started a conversation about Kirkpatrick, and, and through that process, I think God had been both unsettling us to some degree, um, and also uh, leading us to somewhere else, and, and that last year was an unsettling year, but uh, it has led us to this point, and God has led us to this point, and we felt very much that he's been in it all, and, uh, and so we came to last Friday, or just Friday night past, uh, to being installed here and, uh, and then to this morning. Thank you so much. We'll hopefully hear from you and now um, up on the screen there should be a video. He's been brilliant and put together a video a little bit about himself, so we'll watch that now. Hi everyone, my name's Ewan, I'm 19 years old. Uh, I'm currently studying at Stranmillis, I'm studying primary education. Uh, I also work as a part-time youth worker uh, for an organization called Young Life, which some of you may have heard of. Uh, some of my hobbies and interests, I love sport, I love watching football, rugby. Um, unlike my dad and brother, uh, I don't support Arsenal, I support Manchester United instead, so you can imagine there's a bit of, bit of tension in the household when, when they play against each other. Um, I also like movies and TV shows. Uh, my favorite types of movies would be um, the likes of Marvel and Star Wars and those types of films. So yeah, that's, that's a wee bit about me, um, and I'm excited to, to see everyone next Sunday. Hi, uh, well, we're going to hear it again. again. <laughs> I, I should explain the reason that he's not here is because he's actually in Manchester. Um, so he delayed going over to Manchester to be here on Friday night. Uh, he went over yesterday morning to watch Man United just about scrape a win against West Ham, uh, and he'll be back this afternoon. So. Very good. Um, Paula and Graham, can I ask you a wee question? Um, is there anything you're looking forward to moving to Ballyhackamore? So um, I would have always thought of myself as a tiny at heart because um, my mum and dad were both born and brought up in Belfast, but I was reflecting with some folks last weekend that actually I've lived most of my life in the country or close to the countryside so I'm looking forward to the experience of living in a town or on the edge of the city um, and in terms of Kirkpatrick uh, Memorial um, and you've heard us say we have been greatly blessed over the last 15 years and God has done things and did things in Valley Greeny that we couldn't have imagined when we started there but I know that God is good and that he has blessings for this church family. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you and being a part of that here. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to give you the, 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 the silly answer first. Um, I quite like coffee. 
Um, and I believe there are one or two coffee shops around uh, Ballyhackamore. Just a few, uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But, but on a more serious note, yes, looking forward to uh, getting uh, established uh, with all of you folks. Looking forward to, to, to moving down to, uh, to the manse uh, and to starting to get to know all of you uh, and to build and see where God is leading us in the next few uh, weeks, months, and, and years. Um, it's going to be exciting, uh, and uh, it's going to be nerve-wracking to some degree for us, as, as this is, but um, we're looking forward to it. Lovely, thank you. And just one final question. Um, how can we be praying for you as a congregation in the coming weeks and months? Um, I thought about this question and I thought, you know, I could ask you to pray for, you know, help with the house move and lots of different things. But actually, um, I was thinking about the verse Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And that's a verse that you read in cards and people speak over you um, at times of change. It was mentioned in this sermon on Friday night. And I would just ask that you would pray that I would be trusting God um, in, with all my heart and in everything at the minute and not relying on my own strength, that I would be trusting God um, with the move of our home, with getting to know you better and becoming part of this church family, with um, family life and with work life, um, that I would just be um, thinking um, thoughts that are less of me and more of God, and I just appreciate your prayers. Um, So yeah, as mum's already said, you know, um, just about the whole move, obviously this is our first Sunday here, but we still yet to move house, and um, we've already uh, had support and help from people when we went and visited the the manse the first time, and we really appreciate that, and um, yeah, we just want would would ask that you guys would pray that that whole process uh, goes smoothly and that, you know, because obviously this is a big change for us after being in Ballygreeny for 15 years. So, yeah, just uh, prayers, prayers that the whole the whole moving process would go as smoothly and easily as possible. Yeah. And I think prayers for the, just for the staff team and for the session and so on as well. As we get to know each other, it's always kind of praying for that dynamic as we start to to look to the future and, and, and see where God is leading. Um, it's been great to get to know uh, Paul and Mary Rose and Jane, uh, and Gareth has counted himself as part of the staff as well, I think, over the, over the vacancy. Um, and so it's been brilliant to, to get to know those folks and to work with them, and then uh, over the next little while to get to know Session as well. And, and uh, so just pray for that as those relationships establish themselves. Lovely. Thank you so, so much to three of you and also pass on to you and as well. We really appreciate you coming up here and, and sharing a bit about yourself. It's not easy. So thank you so, so much. Um, so um, we're going to stand and sing now asking God to um, speak to us through his word. We're going to sing, Speak, O Lord. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from John 1, verses 1 to 18. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that light that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Amen. Well, it's good to have got to this point. Uh, Emma, thank you so much for leading this morning. Um, I know if we were nervous, you were probably nervous as well. You said to me just at the beginning, this is quite a big gig this morning. Um, so thank you so much for, for your leading um, this morning. Vacancy process is a long uh, and challenging one for a congregation and uh, a long and unsettling one for a prospective new minister. Uh, and it's good to be able to now get started officially uh, together as minister and congregation. Um, It'll take us a little time to settle in. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. I'm sure you'll be patient with us. And as I said on Friday, do make sure that you keep on uh, introducing yourselves to us. And if you've already done it once, then do it three or four more times because that will really help the names to sink in. Uh, do come over and chat to us if you see us out and about. You've already warmly welcomed us. And folk from Ballygrenny, uh, I know, appreciated the, wel- the warmth of your welcome on Friday night. So thank you for that. Today we're beginning a new season. Uh, in Kirkpatrick Memorial uh, and the life of this congregation. And we're beginning it with a new series uh, in John's Gospel. As we read this Gospel together, John's going to deal with some of the most uh, significant questions that people ask about God, uh, about uh, ourselves, about the world around us. 
But most importantly, uh, he is going to bring us right back to the center of our faith and of the whole of time and eternity. And that's Jesus Christ. So as we begin this series, let's allow John to draw us closer to Christ. To find out what happens when God moves into our neighborhood. Let's pray. Lord our God, we've already sung and prayed that you would speak to us today. Your word spoken into our hearts and lives. And thank you that you sent your word, that he became flesh. And that as we consider him and think of him this morning, you will be continuing to speak by your spirit into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever uh, seen a well-known person uh, from afar or on screen somewhere, and you thought to yourself, really like to get to know what that person's like in real life? Ever maybe be intrigued but enough by someone to think you'd like to sit down, have a conversation with them, maybe have them over for a meal? could be anyone at all. My personal list uh, might be uh, Bruce Springsteen. Does he really have that much energy in real life at the age of 73 or whatever he is now? Or it might be uh, Arsenal legend Thierry Henry uh, from back in the day. Is he really that cool in real life? I guess to some degree or another, we are all asking ourselves that question today. You're asking, what's this Kennedy fella really like when you get to know him? You're probably not asking if he's really that cool, because you've probably established that for yourself already, that he's not. But the four of us as well as a family are asking what these Kirkpatrick folk are like when we get to know them. And time is going to answer those questions for us. Perhaps the most well-known person in the world is Her Majesty the Queen. But I would imagine that a relatively small number of people get to know what she is really like in real life. Netflix might suggest that they've given you that picture in the crown, but I'm not sure they really have. Quite a few years ago, though, a friend of mine was invited to spend a weekend at Balmoral with the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, Protocol meant that... uh, He couldn't share much of the details of their conversations with us, but he did tell me how surreal it was being driven around a Highland estate in a Land Rover by the Queen. The most important person for us as human beings to really get to know or understand up close is God. If God really exists... And he really is the maker of heaven and earth. And he really did create human beings in his image with the intention of being in relationship with us. Wouldn't it be, mustn't it be a matter of vital importance for us to know what he's really like? Mustn't that be a question of central importance? John certainly thinks it is. And his answer to the question, what is God really like, is 
is very simple, and it's unequivocal. If you want to know what God is really like, it's Jesus. If you really are interested in finding out what God is like, your journey starts and ends with Jesus Christ. John writes his gospel to show people what happens when God moves in to live among us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that immediately puts Jesus in a unique position. There is no one, absolutely no one in all of human history who can compare with the one people call Jesus of Nazareth. The claims that John makes for Jesus need to be investigated because if they're true, they quite simply change our entire view of the world and of our place within it. But if it's not true, then 2,000 years of the church and Christian faith have been a complete waste of time and effort. John writes his gospel with two objectives in mind. First, for those who don't yet believe in Jesus, to examine what he said and did and come to a conclusion about who he is. It's there at the end of the gospel in chapter 20. He writes, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's second objective is to encourage followers of Jesus in their faith and give them confidence that the one in whom they trust is both their Lord and their God. Again, at the end of the gospel, it's Thomas who in his encounter with the risen Christ, uh, it gives him the confidence to clearly and decisively confess his faith as he falls to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. What John is telling us is that in the historical person of Jesus Christ, God has moved into the neighborhood. We get to see him up close and personal when we look at Jesus. We get to find out what God is really like as we watch Jesus in action. We get to understand God's heart for the world as we see how Jesus lives a life that is full of grace and truth. Through the witness of both John the Baptist and John the writer of the fourth gospel, we get to see the glory of God displayed in the man, Jesus. So what are the things John wants to tell us about Jesus? What are the things he thinks you and I need to know when we look at the baby in the manger or the man feeding the multitudes of people or the condemned victim on the cross. I'm going to suggest four things that John wants us to know about Jesus from John 1. He wants us to know that Jesus is the one who makes sense of the universe. That Jesus is the one who defeats our darkness that Jesus is the one who ends our loneliness and that Jesus is the one
who alone is full of grace and truth. First, Jesus is the one who makes sense of the universe. On Christmas Day, NASA launched uh, the James Webb Space Telescope uh, on a mission to study the earliest stars and to peer back further into the universe's past than has ever been possible before. Scientists uh, are hoping to see things that they've never seen before as, as the telescope, uh, when, it, when it unfolds and when it starts its work, as it sends back images from a vantage point a million miles away from Earth. Of course, this is the latest in a long line of attempts to trace or even recreate the origins of the universe. But even if that telescope gives us vital new information about how the universe came into being, it still won't make sense of the universe for us. It won't make sense of things like beauty, truth, and love. Nor will it make sense of violence, deceit, and hatred. But long before space travel became possible, John claimed to know the one who not only could make sense of how the stars came into being, but who actually brought them into being. More than that, John says, Jesus makes sense of the whole universe. John calls him the Word. And we know that words have enormous significance. Words can move us. Words can hurt us. They can anger us. They can inspire us. Words can lead people to fall in love, and they can inflame hatred. Words can be used to explain, to teach, to confuse, or to mislead. Words are central to our relationships. They're central to our relationship with God. And one word in particular is central to the existence of the entire universe. Because when God speaks His Word things happen. When God utters this word with a capital W, stars and planets, oceans and mountains, blue whales and butterflies spring into life. This word takes first place. He is above everything else. He is before everything else. He creates everything else. He is in the closest possible relationship with God because he's the very expression of who God is. John wants us to understand from the very beginning that as one commentator, C.K. Barrett, puts it, the deeds and words of Jesus are the deeds and words of God. The deeds and words of Jesus are the deeds and words of God. And if that is the case, then he alone can truly make sense of the universe. Second, Jesus is the one who defeats our darkness. Now, I know that Paul, uh, on Christmas Day, uh, uh, preached on the first five verses of John 1, and he confessed to having told both me and Monty to keep our hands off a certain illustration uh, to do with the the, the lamplighter on the wall outside. Now, I have a confession, Paul, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry, but at least you got in first. It's such a wonderful image. 
to appear outside a church building. And it's such a wonderful signpost to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Much of the reality of life in this universe is characterized by darkness, isn't it? The darkness of sinful humanity visiting violence and abuse on one another and almost without a second thought. The darkness of disease and sickness that incapacitates us, causes us pain, puts our loved ones through turmoil. The darkness of death that ends life, separates us from those we love, produces that ache in our hearts that never really goes away. But into that darkness, God speaks life and light. When God speaks his creative word at the very beginning of Genesis, what does he say first? Let there be light. The first thing the word does is dispel the darkness. Like those lamps lit on those dark Belfast streets in generations past, the word sends the darkness scuttling away. Darkness has no answer when the light arrives. Sin has no answer when the light of Christ exposes it in us. Painful as it often is, all we can do when Jesus' light exposes our sin is allow it to do its work, allow it to reveal who we really are, to turn to him for mercy and grace, let him replace our darkness and our decay with the light of life. Disease and death don't have the final word in this universe. Because when they are brought into the light of Christ, they are swallowed up by a life that cannot be defeated. In Lord of the Rings, which some of you may remember from back in November, I mentioned as my favorite novel. In Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggins is given a gift by Galadriel, the elf queen. It's a crystal called Urendel, which contains the light of a star. She gives it to him to be a light for him in dark places when all other lights go out. When we go through suffering, bereavement, hurt, or confusion, Jesus Christ is the light when all other lights go out. When we face the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus Christ is the light when all other lights go out. John will show us in the pages of his gospel just how the light of Christ utterly transforms our darkness. Third, Jesus is the one who ends our loneliness. Part of the problem of living in darkness is that it separates us. We can no longer see or relate to others. We're cut off. Long time ago now, I took a team from First Bangor to Hungary. It was in an area of Hungary where there used to be gold mines in the Middle Ages, and the old mines are still there. One of the church members offered to take us up to see the mines and into one of them. This was in the days, you understand, before pretty much every activity had to be risk assessed. 
So off we went into the middle of a forest, uh, into a, what looked to be like a hole cut in a bank supported by wood. Uh, some of us were wearing helmets uh, with uh, lights on, their, on the front of them. When we got about four or five hundred meters or so into uh, this hole in a bank, um, the guide told us to turn off the lights. Pitch black. You literally could not see your hand in front of your face. You would not have been able to tell that anyone else was there. If our guide at that point had decided to leave and shut us in that mine, well, I wouldn't be standing here today, that's for sure. You've no idea of the relief when he told us to turn the lights back on. We were able to see each other's faces and then able to go back out again into the sunlight and the fresh air. The darkness, you see, separated us. Even though it was just for a moment, it separated us. And the darkness of sin separates us from the knowledge of God. The light comes into the world to show who God really is. He comes into the world to reveal that God does not want to be separated from us by darkness. No, instead, he wants to welcome us into his light. In fact, he wants to welcome us as his children. Loneliness, isolation, Separation are concepts with with which COVID has made us all too familiar. But all of us as human beings exist in a state of isolation from God, even from one another. Separated by race, religion, nationality, gender, social status, and a host of other things, we find it easier to hate or ignore or alienate than to live in love for one another. But our loneliness, our isolation, and our alienation from God and from one another comes to an end in the light of Christ. The darkness of a world that has turned its back on its creator is shattered by the creator himself coming to dwell with us and to bring us home. And this darkness is shattered because of the fourth thing John wants us to know about him, that he is one who is full of grace and truth. Eugene Peterson's message version of John 1 describes him as generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The Jesus that John is presenting to us in his gospel is one who will give and give and give again. He will not stop pouring his gifts of grace into the lives of those who seek him. He will empty himself to the point of giving his life on a cross in order to give to us. He will see it through to the end. And at the end, he will cry out, it's finished, it's done. John will show Jesus to be the one who is so overwhelmingly committed to us in love that we can depend on him completely from cradle to grave and beyond. Overabundantly generous, unfailingly true. That's the Jesus that John points us to. 
John's role as a gospel writer is to point you to this Jesus, to invite you to see in him the one who makes sense of the universe, who defeats our darkness, who ends our loneliness, who fills us with his grace and truth. He will invite you as we go through John's gospel in the coming weeks to see in Jesus none other than your Lord and your God who has moved into your neighborhood. My role as a pastor and teacher here now is to point you to exactly that same Jesus. That's my primary calling in Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church. Through preaching and teaching, through personal encounter over coffee or in the park, my role is to keep pointing you back to the Word who became flesh and who moved into your neighborhood. In times of sadness, my role is to point you to the one who is your light when all other lights go out. In times of celebration, my role is to point you to the one in whom abundant life is always to be found. In times of ordinary day-to-day life, my role is to point out to you the little grace notes that reveal that Christ is with you in the school run, on the daily commute, and the meal out with friends, and the conversations with neighbors. I'm really looking forward to doing that. And our role together as Kirkpatrick Memorial Presbyterian Church is to do that same thing in our community. To point people to, as N.T. Wright puts it, the one through whom the world was made, who has now become the one through whom the world is rescued and remade. Through service, love, witness, we are to be those little lights that reflect the presence of the light and lead people to him. It's an exciting task. It's a privilege. It's a daunting task. But it's the task to which and for which he has called the church. And he's with us in it. Let's pray. Lord God, Help us as we look to Jesus to see the one who makes sense of the universe, who brings light into our darkness, who ends our loneliness, who offers us once again the fullness of his grace and truth. And help us to commit ourselves afresh to him today. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I think we're going to sing... Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Here I am. We're now going to pray for others. And in particular, we're going to pray for this new chapter at Kirkpatrick, for the Kennedys and for our congregation. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray in particular for the Kennedy family. It has been great to start to get to know them, and we are thrilled to have them join us here at Kirkpatrick. Thank you for calling them here and their obedience to that calling. We pray for them as they navigate the coming days, weeks, and months. 
be with Graham as he embarks on this ministry. Please give him wisdom, discernment, godliness, and continue to strengthen his faith and trust in Jesus. We pray too for Paula. We're starting a new job. We're setting up a new home for Ewan and Andrew as they continue their studies in and amongst moving to Ballyhackamore. Help them to settle into life here at Kirkpatrick and please help us to make them feel at home here. Be with the whole family as they face the emotional impact of leaving Ballygreeny. We thank you for their ministry there and the lasting impact that they have made in that congregation through you. We pray for the congregation at Ballygreeny who are in the position that we were this time last year. We trust you that you will be faithful to them as you have been to us. We pray for our congregation. We are excited and expectant. We are thankful for your faithfulness over the past year. Help us to continually seek you to remember your grace and mercy to us and give us a renewed enthusiasm to reach Ballyhackamore and those around us with the good news of Jesus. We pray especially for our session that they would be good shepherds and that they would lead with humility and godliness. Help us as a congregation to support them, submit to them, and to pray continually for them. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Amen. In terms of announcements, please continue to read the weekly email that is sent out each Friday. If you're not in receipt of that email, then it would be good to get in touch with the church office to set that up. In this week's email, you will find information about Friendship Club, Duke of Edinburgh, and the Men's Bible Study. There's one announcement that I want um, to make, though, in person, um, and it's for those who do not have access to email. There is a paper copy of the new teaching schedule, When God Moves, It's available to pick up today in church, so grab someone at the end of the service to pick that up. Our final song, then, is Behold Our God. Let's stand and sing in response to what we have heard from God's word through Graham this morning. Thank you all so much for joining with us in worship this morning. By way of benediction, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 1, verse 17. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.